Welcome to Archery Talk 101 podcast, your guide to better archery skills. We'll bring you the latest tips, tricks, and expert advice, but that's not all. We'll also have interviews with top archers and industry professionals and reviews of the latest gear and equipment and much more. Hurry up. Got it. Yeah. What would it be like to compete in archery at a high level? Well, we're going to find out today uh, with our guest. Hi, my name is Roy Canterbury. I'm your host today on Archie Talk 101. And we have Matt on the, the show here for us or with us today. So Matt, um, introduce yourself and let everybody know something about you. Cool. Hey, Roy, thanks for having me on. Um, I am Matt Yaka. I am, <laughs> my, my name's funny in and of itself, but everyone calls me Matty. <laughs> um, I shoot for Hoyt. Um, I'm a barebow shooter, I'm also a longbow and, you know, just traditional archer in general. I've been for years. Um, I'm from Staten Island, New York. It's where I was born and raised. It's a, it's a suburb of Manhattan, New York City. It's one of the boroughs of New York City. I moved out to Colorado here about 27 years ago. Um, I've been shooting my whole life. So I was, I grew up shooting in New York. Um, we'd go out to a little pub public park that was out there and set up a target. And from when I was five years old, I'd I started shooting, you know, a little recurve and then to a little compound bow. And then, of course, through my teen years into the 90s, I was shooting compound bows and um, I gave up compound bows uh, completely in around two, the year 2001, 2002 and went uh, full into traditional archery. Um, I had dabbled with long bows and recurves uh, prior to giving up uh, compound bows uh, prior to that. So in the late 1900s. That sounds funny to say too in the late 1900s. Um, anyway, <laughs> uh, so, and then uh, anyway, I went full traditional around 2001, 2002, and I just wanted to take my um, competing and competition. I was shooting pretty well, you know, in the last five or six years, and I wanted to I wanted to up it a bit. So I got my coaching certification through NTS or whatever, and. Um, just truly learned how the mechanics of the shot, how to shoot correctly, um, how to put it all together. And I started Olympic recurve around 2017. And then um, uh, I picked up barebow about a year later um, and am now a high level barebow competitor. I shoot for Hoyt. Um, I've, I've won some stuff. <laughs> um, I do pretty good. And uh, yeah, I'm just having a good time with it. Um, it's 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 great archery i wish could be a career um but it's just not um at least at what we do and in, in, in barebow and even olympic recurve uh anything in the u.s is really not a career unless you're in the compound world um but yeah here we are yeah sounds good yeah uh bobby weisinger said my oh, boy. boy i commented <laughs> <laughs> yeah robbie's like my son the son i never had <laughs> yeah you never know who's going to comment on on the the group because we go live nope. in the arch stuck 101 facebook group so that's an advantage yeah. you know they can comment yes. and, and yeah, we can talk back and forth in there and yeah and you That'd know i like great. to pass yeah. information back and forth and yep. uh, you know it, you know it's it's a kind of a a, a close community because yeah what i'm finding is like if you got a bow in your hand you're an instant friend absolutely you know? Yeah, so yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's a connection we all have, and and I think I it's kind of cool that we can do that. And I agree. And, yeah, yeah. So, what got you started in archery? Um, in archery in general, you know, 
my dad and my uncles would go out shooting again, like back in New York City, and we had this public park, and they would go and they would be, I would want to go with them and they'd be like, no, no, you can't go. You can't come. You're too little. This is, this is for the, you know, for us, the big kids, whatever. And they would kind of not push me away, but they would just, I don't think they wanted me around. Right. So I, I don't, you know, I think they didn't want to deal with a little kid running around. That's how I was. I was probably pretty hyperactive when I was a child. And um, my dad would be like, no, just me and your uncles and my brother would get to go. And that just kind of pissed me off. You know, like I was just like, I want to go too. I want to shoot. I want to be part of this. And my dad would, you know, he would just say no, like <laughs> essentially <laughs> no. And you, you would think as a, you know, these days, if my little kid was like, yeah, I want to go shoot. I'd be like, yeah, let's go. That's what I want. Right. But I think that someone telling me just like any other, you know, you tell an adult, no, you can't have that or no, that's not for you or no. Then it just kind of creates more of a drive, I think. And yeah. I think that's what it did for me. I think it created more of a drive to want and want to do it and be part of it than maybe having me along, you know, like I think that drive just became something innate in me that I was like, I want it for myself now. And so, you know, as a little kid, I remember I probably got my first bow at, I was probably three or four years old. Um, and, you know, he would take me once in a while. They, they would take me once in a while to go shoot. And um, as we, we were shooting at those round, they were like, um, I think they were just stuffed with straw or hay on the inside, but burlap on the outside. <clears throat> and they were stitched, these round bales. Um, I haven't seen one in a long time. And someone posted a picture of one yesterday. And I was like, holy smokes, I remember those, those, those types of targets when I was a kid. Yeah, anyway, Saunders um, Archery makes those great big, about four foot round, round brown bales yeah. and they're made from indian grasses grown here in nebraska yes. yeah and they're and they're covered in some kind of burlap or you know some kind of i don't know what it, what it is um anyway yeah. and then as i got older um i wanted to keep shooting i really just enjoyed shooting uh right up you know as i was a little kid um and then as i worked into my teen years i had a cousin who lived in new jersey um and my uncle where we hunted uh, I wanted to kind of emulate them and I wanted to be part of that. And so I started hunting around 14, 15 years old and um, big into compound bows. I had, I don't know, maybe two or three compound bows throughout those years um, from Oneida Eagles to Hoyts to PSEs, things of that nature. And um, I gave up, I gave that up. Like I knew there was something about archery that I just hadn't fulfilled and it was finding longbows and recurves. And in those later years, I was still in my 20s, um, Paul Bruner had Screaming Eagle Archery out of Montana, um, excuse me, I think was the, the, the little company he had. Um, and if you guys know Paul, I mean, he goes by too short and he's very big in the traditional archery world. Anyway, friend of the Wenzel brothers. Um, and... I remember getting a catalog in the mail. It probably came just as like a spam or in the actual mail we're talking here. It probably came through as just like bulk mail. Um, but it was one of their catalogs. It was for his company and they had, he would sell staves, like wood Osage staves and he would sell bow blanks and they would sell, um, uh, you know, maybe some long bows and recurves of, of what kind I don't, I don't recall. It's back in the early part of the 90s. And I knew it's something I wanted to do. And I knew my dad had an old Ben Pearson recurve that was right-handed. It was in our basement for years. And I was like, well, I'm going to go shoot that thing. 
and it's a really i should go dig it up it's in the basement it's uh it's like 50 inches tip to tip it's really small oh a ben a ben pearson bph 52 i want to say it's called um it's probably 52 inch bow uh, really short really short i killed a bear with it i've killed a couple deer with it um anyway i picked that up and you know here it was this is post compound years and I just started shooting at five yards. I mean, literally just shooting that recurve at five yards in my parents' yard. And um, then eventually worked my way back to eight and then worked my way back to 10. And I got good enough that I was like, I'm going to go hunt with it. I did. I killed a deer my first night using that, using that bow hunting. And then I killed a bear a couple of years, like 10 years ago now. Um, just a couple of random things. And um got more got some in the in the early part of the 2000s like i mentioned i had gotten some um pronghorn longbows i was a big fan of pronghorn still am herb's awesome herb does if you guys know herb he's out of casper wyoming does a great job i've had many of his bows but he was the first true custom um longbow i had ever i had ever gotten and i, I had that bow for many years uh, killed a couple things with it and um then i just became obsessed with wood bows and longbows and recurves and all the exotic woods that you can make bows out of and veneers and things of that nature and i just kept purchasing and collecting and um just uh you know creating accumulations if you would of, of different yeah. types of bows you know and i've had several made by different people and i just absolutely am in love with wood longbows and recurves um i just I started competing again. Um, I was always competing around town at local 3D stuff, but never on the big circuit until about um, 2017, like right around when I got my coaching certification and picked up the Olympic recurve. And I did that because I was struggling with target panic and the Olympic recurve forces you to go through the clicker motion. The Olympic recurve also forces you to kind of be in the right body position in perfect alignment. Um, and so it, it teaches you the quality movement. I mean, it's not just flinging arrows. That squirrel's behind me. Um, <laughs> it's not just flinging arrows. It's very controlled shooting. Um, and putting that clicker on my bow um, really taught me how to slow down how to get through the actions of the shot and not just shoot the arrow. It's really going through it methodically. And I started doing that. I did okay in Olympic recurve, um, but then I decided to go to barebow and I excelled in barebow. And I don't think I could have done that without, the, without going to that first step of shooting Olympic recurve using the clicker. And then even after that, I put some clickers on some of my wood bows um, limb mounted clicker and learned how to shoot correctly with my wood bows, my hunting bows and all the difference in the world, all the, I mean, night and day difference. And um, again, picked up the new custom bare bow type things. It's the same as an Olympic recurve, just with no sights, no clicker, no stabilizers. And um, I excelled at it. And so now here we are, and this is what I've been doing for the last I don't know, four years or so, three or four years uh, competing on the big circuit, so to speak. Yeah, that's quite a journey. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I love archery. I mean, I absolutely yeah, yeah. love archery. I mean, like I said, I would make it a career if it was if it was a thing, but it's just not, you know. 
Yeah, it's kind of tough to to make it a career. You know, the um, I've talked to a few professionals and, you know, they're not making money if they're not winning. No, and, you know, exactly. they, if you get sick, you have no income. You know, Correct. you, you yeah. have to go shoot at all the meets and you have to do good. And and, you yeah. know, some people like that. Um, <clears throat> I, I I like to just shoot for fun. You know, it's, right. When I pull my recurve out, it's it's mostly just to get ready. I use it for bow fishing. And right. then I, I have my compound that I use for hunting and, right. and you know, other target and 3Ds and stuff like that. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, the, the my mindset changes when I pick up the recurve. Right. You know, I, I'm still using the back tension to pull, you know, just like I'm sure. with the compound. And, yep. and I use the same the same grip, the same draw length I'm using on my compound. Right. Um, it's just I'm anchoring slightly different. You know, I anchored yep, corner yep. mouth index finger where with yep. my wrist strap, I'm anchored knuckle behind the, the jaw and yep, with my hand it. held, especially the ring finger at that spot. Uh, mm-hmm. But it's all all the same work. I use the same grip on it. Um, right. You know, so, you know, I grab it. It's the same grip I'm using. The only difference is um, I'm not looking for sights. You know, right. I'm looking at the target. You sure. know, I, I completely instinctive. I look at the target and then just you know, let it go. Experience, let it go. And, you know, I, I don't practice it enough to get really good with it. Um, right. You know, I, I got a friend of mine, she's, she's really good. And, and, and I think at them longer ranges, I, I'd have trouble keeping up with you from my compound. Yeah. You know, the, there are well, some she's really like younger, good... she can see good. I, I don't see as oh, well yeah. out of my right eye anymore. So yeah. <laughs> um, good vision helps. A little blurry. Without a doubt. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You know, when no, you yeah, don't see them long distance targets, it's kind of hard to shoot them. So I, I oh, stay, yeah. you know, 40 and under just to, so I can see my targets. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. And, you know, in the tra- in the traditional archery world, I mean, most ethical or, you know, people that are rational and reasonable about their shooting, they're keeping it, you know, pretty much under 25, you know. Um, and you just need to be able to have decent vision at distance, you know, you don't have to be, yeah. you know, have an eagle eye or amazing vision. It's, it's helpful for sure, but you know, right. Um, it's not, it's not the, uh, the end all. Yeah. It, you know, with my compound, I try to set up for four or 20 yard shots. Uh, most of the time they come in closer than that. Um, exactly. But, you know, um, oh, yeah. I shot one deer at 40 and I think only one or two at 20 or anything else has been less than that. Yeah. Yeah. Know? five yards i shot one at five yards yeah you know in 10 yards i think people people yeah people that really uh, don't have good hunting experience you know especially out here in the west we're told you're going to have longer shots you will have longer shots things of that nature but i see so many guys at the archery range shooting nothing but the 60 to 100 range yard range and they're never at the 20 30 yard range like up the up close stuff and then when it comes down to it, these guys can't shoot at 20, 10, or even five yards. I can't tell you how many times in during elk season while hunting, we've had elk at just on the other side of a tree. We're talking like right there, you know, like just by, <laughs> they're that close sometimes. And, you know, with a compound bow, people don't realize like wh- which sight pin do I use when it gets close like that? You know, how do I do that? Um or even, you know, guys I know on a regular that I shoot with that shoot all day at these longer distances and they miss or wound an animal at 20 or, or less yards because they're just not used to shooting that close. Right. But, you know, it, 
and uh, you know, if they're closer than ten yards, yeah, pretty much all my pins fit on the kill zone. Right. So oh, yeah. it doesn't really matter which pin. Right. Um, what people don't realize sometimes I've talked about this a few times on on the podcast, but if you're shooting like a five yard shot, mm -hmm. your twenty yard pin is worthless. Right. You need a sixty or seventy yard pin. You got to use and, the higher ones, yeah. And it's like, well, why do I have to do that? It's like, well, when you yeah. think about it, where's the yeah. arrow? The arrow is yeah. at the corner of your mouth. Where's your sights? Clear it by your eye. You're, you're, you know, three inches high. So mm -hmm. it's something you have to look at. You know, I was, I yeah. was shooting, um, doing some videos, shoot, do, shooting into a bag target I have sitting on my ledge in my basement. Well, it's a little bit high, and I know I'm off because I'm probably only about ten feet away. Mm -hmm. So. I'm looking, it's like, okay, I got to make sure my, my bottom pin is still on the bag. Oh, yeah. Right. I don't want to <laughs> stick it at, at, at 10 yards or 10 feet, uh, you know, my, my arrow into a, a block wall yeah. because it's going to bounce yeah. back. Yeah. You know, and, and my wife and I are sitting there and she's recording while I'm doing it. And it's like, no, I don't want this coming back at me. The knock yeah. is just as dangerous as the point. So, yeah, you, know, you oh, have yeah. to think about that at close ranges. You do. You um, do. I know one time, I was on a platform at, at a 3D shoot and there was a gator five feet in, from yep. the platform. You're raised up. And I knew on mine at that time I had a program I can't find anymore. I don't know if it even worked on any ones, but you could put in all the information. It would tell you, you know, what distance to set, you know, right. your range is for. And um, I actually said, you said 20 yard and I just lined the pins up and they just line up just, just like they should. But yeah. Um, I, at five feet, I said I need to use my seventy-yard pin. I'm five yeah. feet away. I'm using. This, I'm shooting for seventy yards. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. of course, on a platform, I draw up to get my forearm, and then your forearm is bent at the waist, not at the arm. Not, so I'm bending, right. bending, 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 and you, you know, it gets a little bit harder as you oh, bend yeah. down. And I yeah. get down there, and I I pull through my shot, and I nail it. You know. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, those those in three D in the three D world, the three D tournaments are even field up close. With compound guys, the five yard or closer target is the great equalizer, right? So it's it's the one that if you don't practice, if you don't try and know which pin you're supposed to shoot, um, those guys struggle, right? And they, you know, some of the other people are killing that little dime size, you know, 12 ring or 11 ring, whichever you're shooting, you know, on a, I don't know, on the frog, right? But when it, you know, if you don't know which one you're supposed to use, you're going to you could potentially get a five or an eight, you know, if you don't yeah. really know how to use it. So not only knowing is also doing right. So spend time practicing at those really close distances because you'd be surprised in the, in the real hunting situations, how close you can get sometimes. Oh yeah. I've had them walk underneath my tree stand. It's like they're, they're, they're not even four feet from my tree stand. Oh, as yeah. I'm walking down the trail. Oh yeah. Like, yeah. I don't yeah. want you that close. You know, come right, in yeah. further away. Right, right, right. Because yeah. you can't make the shot because it's just, right. you, you can't, right. well, one, you can't bend down far enough. But, <laughs> right. <laughs> you, you know, I've had them so close that I've seen the hair change colors as the arrow yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> into the hide. You know, I was oh, like, yeah. okay, I know exactly where I hit it because I've seen it change colors. <laughs> yep. Yeah, I killed a buck um, probably about 20 years ago. Uh, he literally dead straight down. Uh, I think it was the first deer I ever killed. Let me think about this real quick. I think it was the first deer I ever killed. So it had to be more than 20 years ago. It was more like 35 years ago. <laughs> I forget how long I've, it's been since I, I'm, I just turned 51 and I can't believe that. Um, 
Yeah. So he came walking in and he literally, he, he was coming in from like, I don't know, my 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock. And he just came straight at me and he literally got, he was right under my tree stand direct straight down. And I shot right between his shoulder blades. And, um, it's just shot. You never practice You never, right. never practice it. Um, you're, you're always thinking something's going to be farther out, farther out. And, um, I watched that deer run. So I shot that deer. He ran, he kind of went to my left and he went several hundred yards. I'm going to say 200 yards out to a field that was again. So he came in this way and went out that way. And I watched him run. And, uh, I remember, um, I remember waiting and, um, I, I waited probably, I probably waited at least an hour because I didn't see him go down. I saw him run from the tree stand. I was looking, I could, I was just looking for blood from the tree stand. I don't remember seeing any. And, um, by the time I got down and started walking and following this thing out, I started finding blood, but it was not a massive amount of blood. It was not like an ideal blood trail. It was some blood here and there, here and there. And I went out and finally saw that deer in the field. He was laying down, but he wasn't dead. Um, and I had to shoot him again. And that was an hour later. It felt terrible. I mean, it was, you know, it, and it's one of those things where it's like, it's exciting, but it's all sad at the same time. It's like, you, you know, you have to put another arrow in this animal and finish it off. Um, what was interesting about that shot is that it was right where I was aiming with, I shot it with a compound bow. It was straight down right between the shoulder blades. It exited out the sternum. So, I mean, it was literally straight down and I probably cut the heart, probably cut some lung or vein, you know, I, I don't recall, um, and did not leave an amazing blood trail. And that thing ran, um, quite a ways. And, you know, just the, just, I don't know if I would have taken that shot again, looking back, but I think cause it was my first deer, it was probably like, Oh, here's my opportunity, you know? Um, yeah. and, uh, I retrieved him. Um, I, I felt bad having to put another arrow in him. You know, you don't want anything to suffer at any point. Um, and, uh, yeah, that had to be 30, 1990 or 86 or seven. Uh, yeah, it had to be somewhere in the eighties. Um, if it was my first one, but yeah. So I always recommend don't just shoot flat right? Don't just shoot flat ground. It's especially if you're going to be hunting from a tree stand, like if hunting is your primary purpose and you're hunting from a tree stand, shoot out of the tree stand because the angles change everything too, right? right? Angles change everything. Um, or if you're coming out here to Colorado or somewhere in the West where you're hunting in the mountains, you're never standing on flat ground unless you're at your house or like I'm on my patio. But like when you are in the Hills, you're not, you're never on flat ground very rarely on flat ground um where you find the elk and where you find mule deer you are in very steep rocky terrain or steep grassy terrain or timber um and your shot's going to be uphill downhill you might get lucky and have a flat shot but there's always going to be some 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 variability uh with your shooting and it's going to be either your footing or your angle so i highly recommend shooting at on uneven terrain or from a tree stand all the time yeah and and one thing to remember too is you know your form 
you know, your form standing up in perfect position is from the waist up. Right. From the waist down, right. it doesn't matter what you're doing. You can be <laughs> bending at the waist, bending and twisting, whatever you need to do. But that form that you come and draw when you're standing in that perfect position, that gets locked in. That's right. And if you start right. changing it, dropping your arm, you know, I've right. done that before I knew I dropped my arm. It's like, how come I can't see nothing? Well, the light <laughs> right. of the peep changed and and your your everything changes. And uh yeah. you, you just you just gotta make sure that you know that's your form and that's right. Know, sitting down, try shooting, kneeling, and you know, oh, the, yeah. the, the longbow is a little tougher kneeling because they're kind of long. But yeah, uh, so you have to cant or turn the turn the bow. Right. You know, you know, we're that's we're what the actually turned go ahead. I'm sorry, continue. Yeah. But the compounds are a little bit shorter, so you don't have quite that problem. But you still got to, you know, worry about right. shooting, sitting down, and yeah, and you got to be vertical. Your bow has to be vertical, right? <clears throat> when you're shooting a compound, else it doesn't work. No, <laughs> that's that's kind, that's kind of the yeah, that's kind of the love or allure for me of the longbow or the recurve is like you can technically be laying down and shoot the bow especially in a hunting scenario right you can right. be under a tree and leaning forward or you get the idea you don't have to be vertical to shoot that bow that's kind of a, a nice feature and i know there was one time i i seen this deer leading bedding down next to the trail and and it was a road the farmers use and I took my boots off just my socks and, and I snuck all the way up to it so I was you know five six feet away from it didn't know I was there uh but there was no real cover for me to stand up there's just you know grass about a foot tall and right. I got a compound I can't shoot it <laughs> <laughs> crossbow I could have because it yeah, could yeah, be yeah. shot down yeah. low uh, you know, the compound, no, you can't, like you said, you can't lay them down because one, no. the arrow ain't going to stay. No. And, and two, your pins are going to be way off. Well. And, you know, especially mine, I, I use either a drop away or a two prong sure. rest. My hunt bow is a two prong rest. And, mm -hmm. you know, if you can't that bow very far, that arrow is not going to stay on there. So That's you, right. you've got to yeah. be pretty much straight up and down. And, you yeah. know, but the experience of sneaking up on it so close was, oh, yeah. you, you know, was yeah. was worth not, you know, getting a shot because oh, I was yeah. just, you know, if there had been a tree or something there, I I could have yeah. done it. But yeah, you know, I just kind of waited there for a while and <laughs> if only got up and walked off. And <laughs> yeah, no, I've had I've had good experiences with a compound bow, but uh, the versatility of a longbow or a recurve um, is to me a little more little more grand i you, yeah you can't shoot as far maybe you can't shoot as accurately especially if you don't put the time in and, and really practice and shoot um there are definite pros and cons to both without a doubt i don't hate on one or the other I, you know i'm not i shot compound like i said myself you know i'm not i'm not anti-compound bow at all um i'm not super pro longbow or recurve either um but you know they definitely they they have their they have their pros and their cons. I know most people shoot compound bows. You know it's fine. I don't care. You know it's just a personal preference. Yeah, it's it's all just you know what do you want to shoot and yeah. you know that's one of the questions you know when I get people interested in in archery that haven't shot before. It's like one of the first things we're going to ask is you know what do you want to do with it. 
right. you know, where you plan on taking Archie. I just want to shoot in the backyard. I just want to have fun. Right. You know, so recurve, nice, because it's just out there. There's nothing to worry about. You, you know, you get a, you teach how to string it and unstring it. And there you go. You know, you, there you <laughs> you're, you're, you're good. You're out there, you know, having fun, really not doing anything. You know, yep. or, or maybe you watched, you know, the Hunger Games, you know, that's an old movie, right. but yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. and, and, and you, you want to pick up, though. oh yeah, it did. Um, <laughs> and, and the cool part is you can tell that she was taught by Olympic Archer. Oh yeah. Just, to, just in her form. I forget who yep. the Ar Olympic Archer was that taught her. Katuna, you know, Katuna to, Lorig. Yeah. And uh, uh, yeah, you can see, you know, that. Yeah. This has been professionally trained. It's not just somebody just yep. flinging arrows. Yep, you know, yep. you, you could believe that she's can hit oh, what yeah. she's aiming at. Because, oh, yeah. you know, somebody that didn't know anything about archery wouldn't know the difference. But, you know, those archers, we we can right. see that this person has got some serious training. You know, and <laughs> right. they're, they're picking it up and doing it good. And, right. Yeah, you'd but, hope they do. You see a lot of stuff on TV and in movies where you're like, you just cringe at, you know, and you're like, no, this yeah. person had no formal training. They have no idea what they're doing. And, you know, I'm like, oh, <laughs> yeah. it's hard to watch. You know, everyone's like, is Hawkeye your favorite Avenger? I'm like, no, not even close. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know who taught that guy how to shoot. <laughs> yeah. Some kid that thought he knew everything. I, I, I yeah, don't no know. Kid. Yeah. Hollywood. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There, there's a lot of things in there that's just, uh, um, <laughs> just crazy you know what oh, what yeah. people would do and oh, and yeah. then you know you watch some of the the youtube videos of these people shooting and yeah. some of them are actually pretty good shots mm -hmm. um, but their form is terrible and you can see oh yeah i could tell this person's gonna punch the trigger before they even do it i could oh, sure. just tell that oh, finger's yeah. above the trigger that's not in a nice relaxed state and i was oh, like yeah. they're gonna cram on that trigger and then they just cram on that trigger and oh yeah yeah no i'm not I, I i'll say like i'll be as i'll be even more bold and say it like this sorry i'm trying to reset my uh ipad here um i would say any archer that i know at a local level at a club level shooter or even just your standard bow hunter um type of an archer when it comes to compound bows most of them punch the trigger most of them yep. people that do more target shooting that have been on the higher like maybe go to vegas or maybe know how to use a hinge or a thumb button or something along those lines those people have a little more control but nine times out of ten maybe more when i watch someone at the archery range that just has a hunting setup i never never see those people all year long i see some guy come out with his bow and trying to tune his broadheads they're just punching that trigger like nobody's business and I'm like, they would be so much of a better shooter if they just calm down and just squeeze through that trigger very gently and just make it a more deliberate shot. But um, same with uh, traditional shooters. You know, you can tell people who've been trained or who know, and there's people who don't, you know, they're just flinging an arrow, their arms flying out like crazy. You know, it's the same kind of concept. Yeah, you see it, they shooting their arms way off to the side. Oh, yeah. It's like, okay, oh, yeah. uh, why yeah. do I keep shooting left? It's because oh, yeah. you're aiming, oh, yeah. you're shooting left. <laughs> You know, <laughs> yeah, their arms go flailing off to the side. I see it all the time. Yeah, yeah, I, I know it. <laughs> I I run into somebody that you find out they're an archer, and I says, okay, I use it, use a, a wrist strap. And I say, yeah, I'll give you first lesson for free. Quit pulling the trigger. Yeah, huh? They always say, huh? Yeah. <laughs> they're like, how did you how do you know that? Yeah, yeah, you're pulling the trigger. 
I I'll never be seen them shoot before because yeah. 99% of the time I'm correct. They're yeah, and they're the going to be doing it. And then I go and show them and then, um, you know, then I'd say, okay, concentrate on the spot, every finger up, try and move your finger without thinking about it. And they said, yeah, I can do it. I'm done. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just, I'm not even going to talk to them anymore after that because yeah, right yeah. there, they just proved that they, their, their mindset is not going to allow me to make correct improvement. And, right. Yeah. And, and I've done it too many times. I've, yeah. I've shortened up people's group. There was one guy that come in when I was working at uh, Bass Pro and he was, he was grouping at 20 yards, probably mm -hmm. six inch group. Right, right, right. Start with his draw length was too long. <laughs> so I shortened his draw length, fixed his form. By the time he left, he had, he had one inch groups. It's a big difference. And, and I had one guy that I taught on, uh, actually he's a member of the group too. Um, he may come in and, and, uh, uh, make a comment to who knows but uh uh he had you know me about a six inch group i spent about 45 minutes on on a zoom call with him and he sent me a picture a few weeks later three arrows touching much better you know uh yeah the, the correct way of shooting will do it you know i, I had yeah. one guy oh, that I, yeah. I sold a brand new bow to two weeks later he had never shot a bow till he come in and bought the bow two weeks later he's got a robin hood already yeah <laughs> that's very cool <laughs> Yeah, so very cool. You know, I quit shooting single spots because I kept wrecking too many arrows. <laughs> right. You know, you hit yeah. that knock. I, when I, I was shooting, yeah, yeah. When I was shooting compound bow, I, I I got pretty good at it. I mean, you you know, the thing with compound bows and shooting releases is, I I now knowing what I know about archery and how to get through the shot correctly, I truly do not understand how people that shoot compound bows have target panic. It doesn't make sense to me. And this is coming from someone who shot compound bows with mad target panic, insane yeah. target panic. But now I know, I just learned, you know, I learned everything on my own, right? So you just learn, oh, you draw, you hold, you pull that trigger and it goes, right? It, but no, that's what kind of gives you target panic, right? And yeah. now I know, yeah, now I know I've had conversations with very high level compound bow shooters that say, Oh, I'm struggling. I have target panic. And I'm like, time out. There's no way you should have target panic. You have all these perfect devices to get you through this shot perfectly. And without any harm to your mental game, go really slow through the movement. That's all you got to do. Just put, if you have, if you're using a trigger, sure. Put your finger on the trigger, hold your sight on that pin, keep that elbow moving back and just, gently keep touching that trigger just keep pressing through it it'll go don't need to pu punch that thing to make it happen just be very gentle with your movements very slow very deliberate it will go and just hold your pin on and when that thing surprises you and goes it'll go right right not so not so easy holding with your fingers we don't have something that says go right you have to talk <laughs> yourself through that a little differently right but with compound bow shooters that say i have target panic call me I'll get you through that. I promise. There's no, it, it doesn't make sense. It shouldn't make sense to you either. If you're a compound bow shooter, shooting a release no. and you have target panic. <laughs> Pulling the trigger causes target panic. Yeah, exactly. And, and watching the pin. Yes. Also causes target panic Absolutely. because you see the pin cross it. But what target panic is, is you see the pin go across the target. You say, 
pull the trigger. You start pulling oh, the trigger. Right. It moves <laughs> off and it says, oh, it's off. Don't shoot. Yeah. <laughs> so right. that is target panic. That's the sure. only way you're going to target panic. Look at right. the target. Ignore the pin. Put the pin right. over it. And I Absolutely. use on, on the trigger releases, I put it on the second knuckle back. Right. Not the tip because that's how I shoot my guns. Uh-huh. I want it the second knuckle back because I'm going to rest my hand. And now I have a little bit of movement in that finger. And it's not going to fire it. I just put rest it there. Just lock it in slight little pressure. And as mm -hmm. I pull, it's going to go off. And, right. and the way I teach what a proper form shot, you know, the form of the shot mm -hmm. process goes is I always have them go full draw. Your job is to aim. You're never going to pull the trigger. Right. I will pull the trigger. When I want right. to pull the trigger. Right, right, right. And nine times out of ten, they hit exactly where they were aiming. <laughs> right. Because all they had to do was aim. And that's, that's right. all all you gotta do is just store energy and aim. That's all you gotta do in archery. That's, that's everything it. else should be that, automatic. <laughs> that's exactly right. Yeah. And I just I you know what's funny is I've I've met Joel Turner many times. I know him well. We talk. Um, I've been to his course uh here in Colorado when he came, he used to come here and do it at, Ro at Rocky Mountain Specialty Gear. Um, and you know, one of the things I told him was he asked if people that don't have target panic when they're shooting guns and I don't, I never did shooting a bow. Yeah. But with a gun, I never did. And it was actually almost the other way around, especially with rifle shooting, long distance rifle shooting, or just rifle shooting in general, I could set up a rifle. And so I know this is not part of your podcast, but it's just, uh, just a, a cross hey, reference we get into guns all the time <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but i could set up a target at 200 yards and put my crosshairs on it with my rifle and just sit there and i'm squeezing that trigger ever so slowly that nothing's happening but i have to stop okay i'm gonna stop i'm gonna restart get back in there again and just keep squeezing and squeezing and squeezing and nothing's happening and I stop, <laughs> right? <laughs> so the point I'm trying to make is that I would be so locked on and going through this motion ever so slowly that it wasn't happening and that's okay. And I tell people that in archery, this is where we switch back over. So um, I would say to people, it's okay that you don't take that shot, right? Draw, hold, get in your anchor. And you know if it's not right and that subconscious release doesn't tell you to go, you don't have to go. Right. Some people, like right. you said, spend time aiming. Don't stop aiming. They get hung up on that visual and it's just like, go, go. No, you don't have to go. There is no shot. You don't have to shoot. And so when I switch back and now I think of, okay, how do I shoot a rifle? And how do I shoot my bow the same way? I just tied them together. Right. So I go, okay, I make right. it a little more deliberate. Right. And I just walk myself, talk myself through it, especially a compound bow especially with a trigger or a thumb release, doesn't matter what kind of release you get in there and you just hold and you move that release ever so slowly through that motion just to get it to go. If it goes, it goes. If it doesn't, so be it. You don't have to punch it or pull it or make it happen. It doesn't have to just happen. It happens when it happens, right? It's not mandatory to shoot the, to shoot the, the arrow, right? It's not mandatory to punch through that release. Just take your time. It'll happen. Well, and you see the same thing, you know, in, in guns when uh, uh, you have one, you know, like in a, a revolver where you you got yeah. the case is still in there. 
and and you've emptied it and then you get to your round that you're, you're not there and, and you and you react to it like it went off mm -hmm. well that's your target panic in there and it should go and click like yeah. okay uh you yeah. know you get used to doing that and you just pull through and it goes off when it goes off you know you're not right. cramming on the triggers even in firearms right. you don't cram on the triggers no you know you're pulling slowly the difference Gentle is press. the fine motor skill is squeezing the trigger because you don't have any fine motor skills trying to aim because you're using sure. big muscles to to hold it in place. Um, we're on a bow. Your fine motor skills are taken up and trying to hold the bow and, and aim and keep it all steady. So you don't have any fine motor skill left to pull the trigger. And, you know, like I said earlier, it's like, OK, concentrate on the spot. Do not break concentrate spot. Make your finger move without thinking about it. You have to think about your finger to make it move. While you're thinking about the trigger, <laughs> moving the finger, what did you stop doing? Because you're no longer aiming. That's right. So what are you going to hit? Whatever you're aiming at. But you don't know what you're aiming at because you stopped aiming. Right. And, and you know, that's just, it's just all this little process that you learn. And, right. and yeah. you know, yeah. I, I've adapted my teaching style a little bit. It works for me because of, you know, it's 20 years taken martial arts. You know, everything is direct to your target. And um, the way I teach is a closed stance. But if you have mm -hmm. your grip wrong mm -hmm. or you're doing something wrong and when you're holding the bow, you're going to hit your arm. Yeah. Y you will hit your arm. If your drawing's oh, yeah. too long, oh, yeah. you know, you're going to hit it because you had an open stance. If your grip is wrong, it hits your arm. But if your grip is right and your drawing's right, you won't hit your arm. And, and that's that's the disadvantage as well as the advantage of, of shooting the style I do. And, and right. I like everything, you know, direct to the target. You know, we learn that in sure. martial arts. If you're going to yeah, break yeah, yeah. a board, you better go straight square to that board yep. and through that board. If you're right, off yep. at an angle, you're Might probably not, not going to yeah. break it. You're going to hurt your right. hand. And the right. same thing with setting up your bow. You want all mm -hmm. that force to go between the knock and the tip. Sure. That's the maximum amount of uh, force down that mm -hmm. shaft which is going to give you the best speed and your best performance. Um, you know, that's why, you know, how you tie your loop on is very important. You know, there's a way to tie it on so it doesn't want to twist. And mm -hmm. then you want the same, if you're going to put a knock point on, a lot of people say, well, you got to put a knock point on. No, you don't. I've tied hundreds of them on and never put a knock point on, but you're not untying my knots. Right. Cutting them off. If you got to change <laughs> yeah. them, you're, yeah, you yeah. can do you, a little twisting. That's about it. But yeah, you're cutting them off because the way I put them on, they're not coming loose. Now, if yeah. you put a knock point on above it, you got to put one below it because you want that loop to be above and below your arrow so the center oh, is absolutely. right on it. Yep. And and I, I proved that one night when a guy come in my store and wanted me to set up his bow to shoot two arrows at once. <laughs> that was before center shot design risers and it was the stick on rests. So okay, we yeah. stuck on two, two rests and we got it set up and using a release, we tried, you know, in the middle, you know, above, below the front, the only way that worked in a consistent space, you know, was able to get down to like less than an eighth of an inch, of an inch distance between the arrows on every shot. Pretty close, but yeah. we had, we had, you know, the fletching lined up. So, you know, they, they worked good mm -hmm. and the knot was above the top arrow and below the bottom arrow. And there was a knock point for the second arrow you know, the, the, sure. one, the main arrow, but that give us the, the best performance uh, on that and shooting it. 
And, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's one of those things that, you know, he come into the store after we closed because as you can't afford me while I'm open, but that sounds like fun. Let's go play. You know, so yeah. we come in, we played for about an hour, hour and a half, something like that. And all kinds of different stuff. And he was a motivational speaker and wanted to get the kid's attention, you know, shoot two arrows and, and, right. and, you know, pop one balloon or two balloons or whatever it was. And, <laughs> you know, get their it's attention. Fun, and That is and fun. Yeah. 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 It was, it was fun, you know, setting it up, yeah. doing something like that. And yep. The knock point um, is a lesson I learned too late in my archery career. Um, the double knock point makes all the difference in arrow flight or like what you're stating, the loop, right? So if you get a D loop and your arrow sitting in that gap between your two knots, it's the same concept as if you're shooting with fingers and you have two knock points above and below. When you shoot an, when you shoot an arrow off a traditional bow or even some of these ILF, you know, target rigs like I shoot, if you don't have that bottom knock, it will kick down hard. And it'll, it'll actually slide on the string prior to release. And they've, they've proven this in, you know, these super high slow motion um, or high speed slow motion cameras, you know, where the knock is sitting, the knock is sitting on the, the string and it hits and it actually kicks down and puts downward pressure um, on the arrow, on the rest. And it is uh, exacerbated or it's, it, it's magnified by not having a second knock point um, on the bottom. And ever since I started doing that, which unfortunately was not very long ago, um, I would say under 10 years, um, you know, your, your, your accuracy can suffer because you're just simply not paying attention to a stupid little detail like that, or maybe just no one told you, or you didn't know, or maybe someone did and you felt like it wasn't correct. But until you really spend time with something like that and test it yourself and see how it makes sense, it, it, it starts to make sense. <laughs> yeah you know and and with some of the you know the cameras you know that they're oh yeah this oh, one God, has yeah. a slow motion mode on it so oh yeah it's like i i'm sometime i'm gonna try yeah. a slow motion and, and yeah. see what it see what it does and yeah. and yeah. and in the video editor i i can i can slow things down too and yeah and and, yeah. and redo them and all kinds of different right. stuff when i right when i create my youtube videos i yeah i, I don't edit the podcast what we say yeah. is what we say. Yeah, it's just it goes the way it rolls. Yeah. yeah, whatever it is, I don't edit it. <laughs> you know, yeah, no, I, I, yeah, go ahead. It, if I happen to hit the stop recording, have to restart it, then I'll bring it up and merge <laughs> two together into one video. But other than yeah. that, I don't, I don't end up. It, yeah. It's, yeah. it's unfiltered. Right. <laughs> Live show. Yeah, no, and art in archery, you know, in whether it's compound bow or, um, uh, you know, long bow or recurve. I always, you know, try to encourage people to do some experimentation with their setup. You know, if one thing I can think of with a compound bow, I'll go two things with a compound bow, is one big one is quiver on or quiver off a bow. Not one, not, not set up one way and shot the other, but set up to be shot with a quiver on and or set up to be shot with a quiver off. Same with a wooden recurve or longbow. Do I shoot with a quiver on the bow or do you shoot with a quiver off the bow? There's a lot of debate, right? And, you know, it, and again, it all has its, um, it all has its bearing or some, it's not wrong. It's not wrong to say I need to, I'm going to shoot with a quiver on or off the bow. 
but definitely tune your bow with the quiver on with arrows in it, you know, and then shoot it and see how it shoots, see how it does. And then tune the bow with the quiver off, shoot it, spend time with it and see which one is better. And I think in the traditional archery world, you, I may get some flack for this one. It's <laughs> well known that people just always shot with a quiver on their bow. Very, I mean, it's a pretty standard thing to find a, a, a side mount quiver on a wooden longbow or recurve. It's, hey, whatever, whatever floats your boat. But for someone who's shot those types of bows in very detailed, specific ways to see how accurate a bow can be, the bow does not do as well with a quiver on the bow, period. Quote, quote me on that. I'm telling you, I've done, we've, <laughs> I've done the testing, I've done the shooting, and, and there's a reason why in the target world where we don't have quivers on our bows, right? It's just, we need the arrows too, but they're on our hip, right? It's right. just another weighted system off to the side. And I'll go back to compound, same with stabilizers. Shoot your bow without a stabilizer, Shoot your bow with a stabilizer. Shoot your bow with a heavier stabilizer than you were shooting. Shoot it with a longer one than you were shooting. Mess around with it. You know, play around with it and see how your bow shoots and tunes best so that it works the best for you when you're in those critical times, whether it's hunting right. or target shooting. You know, I don't, we don't shoot stabilizers all in what we do in, in bare bow and traditional no stabilizers, but... A, a quiver on the side of your bow is going to drastically change the dynamics of how your bow shoots. Yeah. Now, on That's my it. hunting hunting rig, I have a quiver on it, but when I get in a tree stand, I have a receiver that I, I screw into the tree, so I'll, right. I pull it off the bow and I hook it right. on because yep. I don't want the weight. I don't want the arrows in my way. I get one shot. Yeah, and if right. I need a second one, I can reach back and grab my arrows, pull no that's one right. out, and and, and load yep. it up. So it, yep. it's not like it's it's a big deal. And I I don't practice with it on mm -hmm. because the only time it's on is when I'm walking in or walking out. That's right. Now, yeah. if I get a chance at a shot, I'm still going to take it with the quiver on. But right. lots of times I've got my handheld. My handheld's in my pocket. <laughs> I don't even have my release on it. So, you know, when it gets really cold, I use my wrist strap because, you know, I need to be able to feel the trigger, um, mm -hmm. you know, just, just on the index finger. Well, the handheld one, I, I, I need to be able to feel it all over my hands. And, and if it mm -hmm. hangs on there and it's cold, I don't want to put that cold aluminum on, on my bare oh. skin because I need to be able to feel the release. So I need, yeah. you know, need to open for the thumb, open yeah. for the fingers. Oh, yeah. And, you know, I don't use it clear out on the tip of my fingers. It's, it's buried in my hand. Because I yep. put the trigger right in that seam uh, oh, yeah. where the index and the thumb meet. That's where I put the trigger. I don't have those knobs on them. I take them okay. off. That, okay. They don't do any good. I don't need them. Uh, I put it right in here. And now as I draw back, as I'm pulling back, it's right in my hand, just buried, oh, buried really up. deep in my hand. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. You know, I, yeah, I don't like... Otherwise, you're pulling like like the fingers and, and it, it's yep. not as comfortable as getting clear back in there. And with it sure. out this way, you're more apt the tendency to use your thumb to pull the trigger because mm -hmm. that's where the trigger is. If the trigger is clear back here, you can't use your thumb to pull the trigger. Yep, gotcha. You um, got there's a piece over. of metal in there. I actually put my hand, my thumb on it and I put pressure on that. That's how I, I load the trigger is by putting pressure on the release with my thumb and pull got through. It. Now, if I have to fire it, I can just squeeze my hand and make it go off. 
but you know, I still pull them through. But if there's one of those, <laughs> like, okay, I, I gotta go now, and, and you're in a weird position, and you, you can't go back any further, you know, yep. then I just make a fist and they will go off. <laughs> you know, you, you brought up fist. another. You brought up another point about one of the reasons I switched years ago from shooting compound bows to wood bows, and it was the cold. Um, and I get cold hands pretty quick. I, that's everything yeah. else stays warm. My feet, everything, well, my fingers get cold pretty quick. And I recall and remember, um, you know, the risers, I think my back in the day when I was hunting compound bows, the risers were cast and they were not these, you know, the, the aluminum they have today. They were, I think they were cast and, and they were, uh, cold. The metal was cold, you know, especially if you were out, you know, hunting all day or you were in the wintertime, those risers got cold. And on top of that, the release, I wanted to wear a glove and you couldn't wear a glove with the release on and you couldn't no. shoot your bow with a glove on. It was just kind of a, you know, just kind of a pain in the ass kind of thing. And I remember <laughs> yeah. going, well, a wood bow, it really it doesn't get very cold <laughs> and I can keep my tab in a glove, you know, curled up. And when I just, when I need to shoot, I can just keep my, my glove, you know, strapped to my leg with a, with a little clip and then just pull my hand out and then I have my tab and a wood bow and it was like oh this is almost heavenly in comparison to a, an aluminum riser yeah. um so it was one of the other reasons for my change <laughs> well and on my recurve I have the no gloves on there so I don't need a yeah. glove oh, or yeah. a tab or anything there you go and, and yeah. I just keep your fingers I just need the tips of my fingers out that's to, right to be able, yeah I did put a lot a small thin glove on because you can still mm -hmm. feel it through there. Oh, sure. Um, yeah. And, and and slide it off that way. And, yeah. you know, if you have yeah, you a don't glove. Really, you don't really see the no glove much anymore. Um, I, I have some. I have some original ones, like old ones. And then they have a modern version. It's a little spongier. Um, I know they give those to kids. Like they have kids, like when kids go to archery shops to just try yeah. out bows. They have them on a lot of the bows where you don't need to worry about a glove or a tab and fumbling with that you know because that could get some you know take some getting used to but um the no, the no glove it's funny you brought that up i know a lot of bow fisher people use that too like and they have they put on their bow fishing rigs and um that, that, another that's exactly why i have it on mine because yeah. it's set up for bow fishing and <laughs> you know you i have a glove it's like i don't want to be out you know bow fishing and have the slimy fish and wet get it on the leather glove and there you go and you're like, yeah. no the no glove towel wipe it's hands perfect go for the next one and bring it in and your hands are wet wipe it on the towel and go or your jeans or your shirt or wherever you know that's right yep <laughs> yeah funny yeah anyone send any questions i know but robbie um said spinning facts <laughs> i don't know what we were talking about but yeah well <laughs> we got a lot of robbie facts is, pushing out yeah Ro <laughs> robbie Robbie will sit there and harass me the whole time. He's been texting me too at the same time, oh. trying to get me to laugh. He's trying to get me to laugh. Ain't working, Robbie. Nice try. <laughs> well, Robbie's one know, of our best, best barebow archers we have in the country right now, and he's uh, he's going to be probably the best at some point for a very long time because he's a young kid. <laughs> well, you he's know, we're punk. just gonna we're gonna have to get him on the podcast then. <laughs> sure thing. <laughs> yeah. So, Robbie. <laughs> Yeah, let me go. know here we'll, we'll get you on the podcast <laughs> you know what here here we go we're, we're gonna let's see if i can reply to him i could 
Okay. Something's something's not working around. I keep bringing it up. Yeah, I, I don't know. I'll have to send him a message when we get off here. It's yeah. like, okay, um, here, here we go. <laughs> yeah. No, he's a good, Robbie's a good kid. He's a, a top shooter. Um, he won our indoor nationals championship this year, and he just won the outdoor national championships this year. So he's got, he's got two of them. And then last year at field, he won the field national championship. So he's got, he's got all of them except 3D pretty much. Um, He's won all our all the national championships that we have. Um, uh, so he's very he's very good, very proficient, very uh, very determined. Um, he's a good he's a good kid. I don't like to give him too much credit. I still kick his ass <laughs> in a fight yeah. and in archery. It doesn't matter. And I'm at a broken wing here, so I can. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I just I just message him like, okay, here's the link. Schedule yeah. time. We gotta get yeah, you on. So. He's a good kid. Well, yeah, get him on. He's a good kid. Hey, you, you know what it takes to be on is we gotta start talking archery. You know, if you've never right. shot archery, you know what? Hey, yeah. great, we'll be on. <laughs> yeah. No, it's good. These hey. podcasts are good for especially if people listen to the podcast or they go on your YouTube channel, whatever, and they um whether they want to learn or whether they're advanced and you know, maybe catch a new um catch a new clip or something that they've never heard before that's important you know it's important for people to get information and um it's good for people like you to put it out there you know yeah yeah robbie's coming mac he does kick my booty <laughs> yeah <Right. laughs> yeah he's a good he's a good kid yeah get him on he, he'd be entertained by robbie for sure yeah it's hey it's it's all all good you know we, we get somebody that's thinking about starting an archery you know what hey perfect you know, that's yes. why I named it Arch Talk 101, because there you you go. Know, that's right. the first thing, you know, for beginners and, you know, 100 level <laughs> help, help help somebody starting out. And, you know, and I've, I've had, you know, people on that have had struggled with stuff and we work through some of the stuff on sure. the podcast. Sure, you sure, know, sure. It's, I'm, yeah. I'm not opposed to, you know, teaching while we're on the podcast. You know, if we can come up with something that works pretty good. And yeah, I, I know I've some things that I've done. People have said, oh, I never thought about that. That might yeah. help. Yeah. You know, and one one of the things I do when my form goes goes away, it's like okay, something's not right. I always had a string that I put around my thumb that was my draw length, and I okay. practice shooting that string. Oh, sure. And mm -hmm. the string, if I'm doing it incorrectly, the string hangs up on my thumb. When I do it correctly, the string launches straight to where my target. Oh, is. I see. Yeah, gotcha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so my form is going straight to my target. Once right. I get that, it's like, okay, now I shoot the bow and, and I'm back on where I need to be. Gotcha. You know, it's, it's a way you can practice oh, inside yeah. your house. Just, oh, yeah. You know, you, I practice with a rubber string. I practice with a rubber tube all the time. I mean, I have a rubber tube that I draw and anchor and shoot, you know, just to kind of ingrain my physical process. The more you do it, the more it becomes natural, right? The idea is to kind of keep that close by like you want to be as natural as you can when you do that shot you know even when things sink in mentally you need to be able to um just be um just be as co as competent as you can unconsciously you know if that makes sense unconscious competence yeah <laughs> um, but do you know who your listeners are do you have do you have an idea as to 
you know, what your, what your listeners are made of in terms of compound shooters, uh, traditional archers, who, that, who it's comprised that I, of? That I don't. Um, I know in the group, I have all disciplines, you know, from, from the recurve shooter to the Olympic shooter uh, to, you know, in, in uh, you know, Olympic style bows, the compounds, to the crossbows mm -hmm. uh, from all over the world. You know, I, gotcha. I've interviewed people from uh, from all over the world, you know, well, yeah, so it, it's it's interesting talking to people in different countries and, and how their archery is the same and how it's different. And, you know, the way they do things a little bit different. And I saw and, you had a podcast like a, a, a couple of weeks ago. I think it was um, a guy from Ireland. I couldn't yeah, understand I, him. Is that where he's <laughs> from? I, I, I honestly yeah. couldn't understand him. I had such a hard time. I was like, I can't listen. To it. it was just, I was, I was yeah. having such a hard time trying to understand what he was saying, and I couldn't do it. And uh, it was, uh, it was, it, yeah. But he yes, I know Scotland. you. Scotland, yeah. that's what it was. Yeah. I had a hard time understanding what he was saying. Yeah, yes. Sometimes the the one from England is is can be just as hard to understand yeah, sometimes sure. too. Sure. And yeah, you know, there, there was one time when I was working at the uh, the archery store. Guy come in from uh was it ireland or, or scotland and somebody from united kingdom and you know there they don't they don't shoot bows like we do here they can't just go out and get them they they're restricted and, oh yeah and uh the guy had the most trouble understanding the guy from england <laughs> oh is that right yeah yeah i was like he had <laughs> that real strong english accent and, and yeah like, yeah yeah okay i gotta pay attention you know sometimes i don't <laughs> i don't like to listen that close <laughs> yeah 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 <laughs> but when it's one-on-one -on -one, then i don't have a whole bunch of other distraction going on and you know i can understand him but uh, you, you know it's uh, i got the headphones on that makes cuts out all the other background noise oh, yeah. so i can understand <laughs> a little more but yeah it's uh uh it's it's interesting and uh you know people all over the world and you, you know if we have to use google translate to talk, yeah, i was gonna say you need a translator <laughs> i know you're speaking english but you need a translator <laughs> <laughs> yeah you know there's yeah. there's the people that you know english wasn't their first language and sometimes they just don't know the the sure. words and you, you know what put it in text and i'll just use google translate and i'll translate the word and you, you know there's a way of talk talking there's to, a way you know somebody that don't speak your language and oh yeah yeah you know, the phones have translators in them oh and, they're amazing they're amazing yeah they don't always translate the same but you know, I've, but it's close enough a lot of times. Yeah. Well, you can always text it too, you know, and that. It's That's like, true okay, too, yeah. Like, okay, yeah. here, yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, it'd be, yeah. it'd be interesting, you know, it'd be, it, you wouldn't get a lot to talk about because you don't have to translate everything, but sure. hey, you know, just type it in and, oh yeah, and, and I can yeah. read it and then translate it and, or actually yeah. probably translate it and then, then read yeah. it and, I've done mm -hmm. that too on, on, you know, somebody that sent information, you know, sent a text to me and it's in whatever language they're at. And, you know, cause I, my original message was in English and they responded back in whatever the language was. Right. I just copied in, typed it into Google translate and I get my response in there and then put it back in their language and also posted in English too. You know, so I, right, I responded back yeah. in their language. And <laughs> you know, right. sometimes if it's I've not your that. main language, yeah. it, you don't understand some of the, <laughs> the the words to translate them. And that's right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've it, done it that. sure beats 
when I was a kid, it, like if you didn't know the language, you're out of luck. You might have a book to look through. <laughs> Spanish for dummies. <laughs> yeah. So have you started hunting yet? You're in Nebraska. Yeah, the season started. I haven't started yet. It's been really hot and I still got a yeah. few things to work on on my bow and, gotcha. and, you know, being the bow tech, my bow is the last that gets worked on. And <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah. My wife and, and I, I used to drive, drive to Nebraska before we were competing and just hunting. Um, we used to drive out there every year, tw multiple times a year to go hunt turkey and then hunt deer. Um, because it's not terribly far. It's like three and a half hours, you know, for me to go to where we used to hunt. Um, You're and, in Colorado, uh, right? It. Yeah, I'm in Colorado. So it's not. What, what part of Colorado? Fort Collins. Oh, Fort Collins. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So we would go to, there was a reservoir. Stratton? That sound right? Stratton? No, I'm not. That don't sound familiar, but. Um, it was right off the highway, so we would take, we would take um, I eighty. No, it was a thirty four. We would take thirty four clear out, out the state into Nebraska, and then, gosh, I could swear it was Stratton Reservoir is where it was. It was uh, west of McCook, um, but we would hunt over there along that reservoir. We got a few deer. I saw some really nice deer out there over the years um turkey of course and lots of turkey um but it's public land you know you'd go and walk to your tree stand and someone would be like just a you know within 100 yards of you and you'd see them and and what do you do you know i kind of got tired of that you looking for it on the map there uh there's um swanson reservoir swanson thank you that's it <laughs> i know it if i okay reservoir is near near mccook because that at least give me a city to look for it yep and yep. yeah swanson swanson yeah we'd go we'd hunt over there um and again like we'd see plenty of deer i mean just in the one small spots that you know a couple of small spots we'd hunt in and um again public land hunting um you'd see people but Honest, the thing that chased us away more than anything were the bugs. The ticks were brutal. Oh, um, oh gosh, the ticks would we co be covered in ticks or mosquitoes in the springtime. Um, but during the fall, the hunting season, it was you know it got cold, it got frosty, and I killed a couple deer over there. Nothing crazy, um, but that was a that was a pretty neat place. I know a lot of people that hunt in McCook. They go to McCook to hunt um, whitetails and turkey and stuff. And I guess that's good hunting over there too. Yeah, there's, I don't there's, know. Some, there's some pretty good hunting in different areas around here. Yeah, I don't know. I just kind of look looking it up. It's a pretty good sized lake there off it's huge it's really big yeah oh yeah it's really big it's a really big lake and there's a lot of a lot of nice uh uh land around it too mm -hmm. yep a lot of deer in that area we just don't go out there anymore like what it, you know for what it costs for 
a deer tag and how much time it takes and just to go out there and it's not terrible but you know you get a hotel room or we can't we'd camp overnight sometimes and yeah um you know just to hunt for you know one one full day and then one morning and then come home and i just kind of got like yeah i'd rather go somewhere where i can spend a couple nights and a couple days hunting and yeah it's, it's put some nice time in it's it's a nice lake yeah you know I, I don't know how far it is from from me but you know it's it's out by trenton nebraska but right 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 it's really easy to get to from here which is cool it's one road essentially one road all the way out there oh yeah it's it's four hour drive for me well, there. it's farther for you and you're in the state <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah because you're it, it's yeah it's it's uh let's see i find fort collins but yeah denver denver is actually closer to it than i am that's yeah, funny yeah but i don't have to pay out of state uh license though <laughs> yeah yeah that's true and that's the other thing like same with turkey and like i'm gonna pay 120 dollars to go hunt a turkey like i get it it's fun but like 120 bucks to go out there and shoot a turkey i'm like eh, and we have turkey here in the state but they're really hard to hunt here the turkeys here are hard to hunt if you're not using a shotgun <laughs> oh um we have parts of the state that have huge quantities of turkey like the southern part i shot a turkey down there a, a recurve uh oh going back like eight years ago um and that was in oh gosh um oh way south in the state but anyway point i'm trying to make is there were turkey everywhere down there like in the southern part of colorado we have huge flocks of turkey in the northern part, we have we have a bunch up here in Fort Collins, but you can't hunt them. They're all in on city ground. Oh yeah, that's we we have a, a pretty good sized flock that's not too far from me that I, I see all the time, and oh yeah, probably about three dozen of them. This in oh, this yeah, flock that we number. see once in a while. Yeah, it's a good number. And yeah, good number, but where I see them most of the time. I can't hunt. Can't get to them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I can get to them. It's just yeah, I don't yeah, have permission to hunt the, the property. Yeah. So, you know. Yeah. Um, I do have permission to cross this, this the highway. They do come mm -hmm. over there, but mm -hmm. do you hunt public land or private land or what do you usually I do? got private land? I got a couple of okay. properties that's private. Um I think probably some of the public lands are probably have more deer on it. Mm -hmm. Um you know where where there's it's mostly fields and the yeah. only tree line is right along the edge you know the uh -huh. one property is along the river or there's a little creek run through there uh, across the river or the creek as where all the trees are at but we can't hunt there because there are somebody else has got permission to hunt there and <laughs> right, we right, actually right. we asked we asked the farmer and he's no i got somebody back there hunting and like oh okay and the other property is is mostly just eat right this year i think it's corn and and alfalfa and, and then there's just the road trees around around the property and um you know they kind of travel through at night most of the time so right. i try and put up put up a lick or something so they maybe trying to get them come during the day um, sure 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 yeah i guess during the rut you never know you can find animals from anywhere they can come from oh yeah miles away you know just that's kind of i guess the benefit of hunting the whitetail rut you know you can you never know what you're going to see yeah 
Yeah, it's yeah a, we have nothing, but we don't have public, we don't have private land access out here. I mean, I don't in Colorado. It's very, very difficult to hunt public land. I mean, you see way more hunters than you do animals. Um, and believe it or not, you see them. They're not they're not even resident hunters. They're people from other states, you know, which is you know good for them. It's not uncommon. You know, that I see people from clear out New York, Pennsylvania, Ohio, you name the state. They're here. And uh, uh, you just see people from absolutely everywhere. And it's, it's, you got to eat, you're either going way far back to hunt, you know, but everyone else is in the same mode. They're like, we got to get away from everybody else. So they just go farther back or, you know, and next thing you know, you see, just see people everywhere. You're bugling, you bugle in another person and they bugle you in, you know, (laughs) you know, it's, it's, it's this craziness, you know, um, but you know, you can find some pockets where you don't find a lot of people, but it's, it's, it's getting more and more rare. So I try to, what my wife and I do, we try to just save points because you have, we're on a point system out here. Um, deer are 100% point. You have to have points for deer tag. Um, they don't have over the counter deer tags, but they do have over the counter elk tags here. So what we try to do is wait every three years to get up at least three points. You can hunt a decent unit with three points um, where they might offer only a hundred tags. And in those units where there's a hundred tags, you might not see a person. That's pretty good. Um, The last time we hunted with three points where we, we saw one guy on opening morning and he was coming out because his buddy got altitude sickness and they were like, yeah, we're leaving. He didn't feel good. And we're heading out. And then we never saw another hunter until muzzleloader season opened up where they, you know, typically those areas, they'll offer the same amount of archery tags, uh, muzzleloader tags as they do archery. So another hundred people, but that really gets screwed up because their, our, our muzzleloader season is at the prime, like when the elk are truly bugling a lot and they're, they are, they're active. Our muzzleloader season falls right in the middle of that. And it's during our bow hunting season. So we have a one month long bow hunting season with 10 days of muzzleloader thrown right in the middle of it. And um, so it kind of makes it hard because, in, you know, one gunshot, those elk are gone. I mean, they're gone. Yeah. It, it's crazy. We were watching, we were watching a herd of elk across a canyon um, a couple of years ago, and we were trying to make a play to go the next day down this canyon and then up to that other side. And we're just watching and the, during the muzzleloader season and way down the valley, um we were quite, we were we were up quite quite a ways like twelve thousand feet plus and we can see some muzzleloader hunters come in from down the valley and they must have shot a deer or something down low and we watched that whole herd of elk just run and went clear over a pass into another unit and i'm like well i guess we're not gonna see those elk but it's it's a funny thing like you know one gunshot and it just sends animals just sprawling in all different directions yeah. So, I mean, it's kind of hard to hunt among the muzzleloader hunters out here. So it's either you're going to be part of the, you know, you either fight the tide or you, you go with it, right? So it's like I've kind of also considered, you know, with my wife, I'm like, well, maybe we should get a muzzleloader tag and hunt the muzzleloader season because it's typically the best time. Um, right. But at the same time, it's like, no, we're true bow hunters at heart, you know, or not gonna (laughs) not gonna you know take that route so we just suffer through it so to speak and not against muzzleloader hunters at all you know so be it that's your thing that's your thing it's just 
it's just unfortunate for us as bow hunters that it falls right in the middle of our season. Yeah, right. Right now, you know, in Nebraska, they they give the rifle season the the rut. And oh yeah, you know, one one year they shifted it back a week when I was at the check station, and we checked in a lot of nice bucks that that week. And then, of course, all the rifle hunters complained, and then they moved it back. <laughs> so you know, when does the rifle that, season fall in your in in Nebraska? What's second the second week in no second week in November? Oh, okay. For 10 gotcha. days, starts on a Saturday yeah. and ends the following Sunday. Gotcha. And and now it used to be you you he had to stop archery hunting during that time. Now you can continue archery hunting. Right. You just have to, wear, have to orange wear orange during that time. Yeah. Right. Because there are some places that you can't shoot a gun. Right. You know, there, there's there's a um one of the state parks that I hunt in, and you know, you can use shotguns mm -hmm. uh, or archery, no rifles allowed there so if you want to hunt there during the rifle season you just grab your bow and go right yeah yeah that's um gosh i'm trying to remember when i lived in new york we i never really hunted new york we hunted new jersey and pennsylvania and i remember new jersey we had an early bow season which started i i think it was like second week of september so like when most and then it went for like a month or six weeks. And then they had a late bow season, which started in October through November. And then they had a winter archery season, which went till February, if I'm not mistaken. And in thrown in there, they had a shotgun season, which was around Christmas time, if I remember correctly. And they had a muzzleloader season, which again, these things all had their own week. But you can always downgrade your weapon right so if you're hunt, if it's rifle season you want to hunt with a bow go for it you know what i mean like you're just you're 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 downgrading your weapon so to speak um so you can always hunt with a bow um but again i'm sure that that's changed over the years i'm uh meaning the dates and what they can use but i know back in new jersey back in the day you weren't allowed to use a rifle at all in the whole state i don't know if that's still fact or true um but you had to shoot you were it was shotgun only um the whole state was shotgun only uh and muzzle iowa was that way too and then then they took one county and put rifle in it now i think last i heard somebody said that you can you can use rifles now but iowa used to be all shotgun okay gotcha yeah robbie would be able to tell you robbie lives in iowa corn yeah. fed yeah, yeah, Robbie, if you're listening, is there any rifle season in Iowa? <laughs> <clears throat> maybe, maybe he'll comment. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Um, but I've never really hunted other states. Michigan, um, New York, New York, New Jersey. I've hunted all, all those states. New York, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, um, Ohio, um, Nebraska, of course, Colorado, uh, Texas, Arizona. Um, Wyoming. I think I know I'm missing something. Texas is fun. I mean, hunting hogs in Texas is a blast. I have a, a group of guys I used to go with quite a bit, and I haven't been able to do that with competing in target archery because they usually go the weekend I'm in Vegas or the week I'm in Vegas hunting or shooting that. Um, but that January, February time, February seems to be when everybody goes to Texas to hunt hogs and. That's a blast. If you've never done it, 
I don't yeah. care who's listening. It is the most fun hunt. Um, and I don't mean just sitting on a bait. I mean, like going out, do real spot and stock on feral hogs, find a good property. It is so much fun. You see so much stuff. Last time I went out, I saw a mountain lion. It's rare you see a mountain lion in Texas, but I saw a mountain lion. You see all kinds of other little critters and creatures. Texas has everything. Odd, you know, all these other, you know, odd species of animals. You see all kinds of stuff. I always recommend going to, going to Texas to hunt um, or South Texas to hunt javelina. Same kind of concept. If you've never done it, go do it. It's a blast. Javelina don't have very good eyesight. They have good noses, but you can kind of walk right up to them. You can stock up on them pretty quick, pretty close. Um, but um, you got to go where there's some good populations of animals too, you know, but you see some cool, Texas has some cool hunting. It's got some cool stuff. And yeah, I mean, we found fossils there. We found pottery, like, all kinds of crazy stuff. Um, Texas has got some, I would love to live in a place like Texas where you can hunt pigs all year long. That would be pretty cool. You know? Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah I, I went on, I, I got a javelina when I was down in, in Texas, went on a hog hunt and I was able to get a javelina and, mm -hmm. and uh, it's, I thought it was good meat, you know, it mm -hmm. tastes like pork. <laughs> sure. You yeah, know? I guess. Yeah. If you season yeah, it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, everybody thought it was the baddest. I didn't think anything wrong with it. Right, right, right. And so I, I've hunted Texas, Nebraska, and Ontario. Okay. Yeah, I've been to moose Canada twice. Yeah. Once yeah. moose hunting up in, in Ontario. Yeah, nice. Yeah. Wait, moose. did you get a moose? Yeah. Got a cow oh, moose. Pretty cool. Oh, okay. man. That best meat. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, and I know. It, it's, it's, there's, there's nothing better than, than moose yeah, that I've had, had anyway. I had moose this year. Mike Davenport, you know, Mike Davenport is Michael Davenport. Yeah. I think he brought some moose to uh, an event I was at this year. Moose is really good. Moose is something, something else. Like it's pretty, it's pretty good meat. Um, I've never hunted moose. Um, that's my dream hunt. We have here, we have the Shiras moose. And again, it's a lottery system. Um, you'll need 20 plus years of applying to get that tag. I have like 11 oh. or 12. So, yeah, I mean, you, you know, randomly it's, you, you see those people that can draw it with four points, five points, it happens, but not likely. Um, but we have plenty of moose out here and they're not hard to get to. But, so that's my, kind of my dream thing. I have some, I have some uh, um, collector's items, bows, um, you know, made by John Schultz and um, Dean Torges. If anyone knows those names, just they're, they're real true collector's items. Um, these guys are since past, you know, guy who Howard Hill taught and <laughs> um, just world renowned self bowyers. And I have some of their stuff I would love to take on a moose hunt. It would be really pretty sweet to, yeah. you know, get a moose with something like that. But yeah, I probably have another 10 more years of applying. So I'll probably be like in my 60s when I draw that tag. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And, so. and then it's like okay much later in that and it's like okay do i really want to chase around the mountains anymore <laughs> right exactly exactly right yeah that, that's kind of, kind of where i'm at you know yeah yeah pick and choose your days <laughs> right right or or your species right yeah something i don't have to do a lot of walking to and <laughs> yeah there you go yeah, yeah as, as you get older you don't want to do all that extra walking if you don't have to and, and hauling them out yep. it's like yeah okay i'm not strong enough to hold this out anymore i need i need yeah. i need some help you know yeah i need and block some and tackle <laughs> yeah yeah and a couple of horses 
yeah. <laughs> or, or at least load it onto the back of the four wheeler, you know? <laughs> there you go. There you go. Yep. Well, it's been great talking with you. Um, yeah, likewise. And, and, and Robbie's made some, some comments and we'll have to get him on, on a podcast and, you know, chat with him for a while. And of course. Yeah. Yeah. That, that'd be fun. Yep. Absolutely. I always have fun talking archery and it's, yeah. it's just so much fun. No, I appreciate you having me on and chit chat and getting to know you a bit. And yeah, we can stay in touch and maybe do this again another time too. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not opposed to having people on a second time. There you go. <laughs> you, you know, there's things change and we just oh, yeah. come in and chat and yep. Yeah, you know, just got to get on my schedule. <laughs> there you go. If you got oh, cool, the link to it, schedule the time. Yeah, come back yeah, on. Schedule it on. There you go. <laughs> Yeah, well, cool. what, we'll enjoy what your, your season this year. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah. What what are your what are your parting thoughts for the for the night? Oh gosh. I don't know. I don't know. That. <laughs> I don't know. I always just tell people to practice, practice smart. Don't, you know, don't practice hard. Don't practice stupid. You know, just every every shot you take with archery, just make it deliberate. You know, like don't just fling an arrow and don't get mad. Um, you know, a a calm head and heart is very important in archery like you cannot you can't you have to be very patient you have to be very very patient with yourself and the sport it's not easy um and there's a reason we do it and it's because it's hard to perfect right right we're, it is. we're shooters if you're a shooter if you're a true shooter um you know you're you're trying to perfect this game right you want to do it as best you can yeah, and it's true. really difficult to do and so you have, if you're going to, if you're going to do that, you have to be calm, calm in your head and right. calm in your heart. Yep. Yeah. You, you can't do this if you're stressed or thinking about anything else, because you just focus and, you know, you get out there and if you learn how to do it, it's like it, everything just goes away and, That's and right. you're just focusing on one thing, That's storing right. energy in the bow and aiming. <laughs> That's right. Store energy, aim, store energy, <laughs> aim. Think of That's nothing it. else. That's it. <laughs> Nothing that's it <laughs> well i'd like to thank you for being on and our listeners and watchers like thank you for spending this time with us and uh you can you can catch the the video on the arch talk 101 facebook group or on my youtube channel I'll leave a link in the description on you know how to get to some of those and also the audio is available on uh wherever you listen to your auto audio podcasts um, you know, like Spotify and I think the Apple ones, there's a Google one and something mm -hmm. I forget. I forget all of them. I just post it out there. It sends them all out for me. Uh, <laughs> and then I'm also on uh, Audible. So you can get out there and listen to it on Audible as well. It's free. You know, not like a lot of the books. This is a free one. So cool. it's been it's been a lot of fun talking with you. And Likewise. And, thank you. And I'm sure we'll we'll connect again and absolutely also connect in the group or something. But absolutely. Yeah. Yep. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Yep. Uh, my name is Roy Canterbury. I've been your host today on Arch Talk 101, and we'll see you on the next one.